We are Michael Vesey in London, England. And Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. More importantly, you are the owner of a thriving online business and you want to become the best e-commerce leader you can be. We're here to get you there. For show notes with links and resources mentioned today and for other GC resources like downloads, just visit our blog, theecommerceleader.com. Hello there, folks. Uh, welcome back to the e-commerce leader. We are in the middle of a three-part mini-series. This is the third of the three parts, and we're talking about the big topic of creating a digital product um, or digital products. In fact, a catalog of digital products is what Jason really advises, which makes most sense. And today we're going to talk about the whole topic of how to grow your business, really how to make money with it in over time, increase that. And that's really about reinvesting the proceeds. So with no further ado, let's plunge into the content and see what Jason has to teach us about this topic. Before we forget, Jason has uh, sold over 10 best-selling books that he's written himself and has over 37,000 students at the last count on Udemy. So this is really a man who knows his stuff. So please take this seriously and take notes if you have any ambitions at all to add a digital product or product suite to your existing physical product business or you're starting from scratch. Either way, you've got a lot to learn. So listen closely and enjoy the show. Well, there's a huge, 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 I guess, mindset shift that we'll unlock here for people, I think, as they go through this. And hopefully I can describe it. But let me just say this. Let's say you make a, a course and um, or, or training. Let's say it's an hour training. It took you 10 hours to put it together. So your invested time in the project is 10 hours. What's your hourly rate? I guess it depends entirely how much you sell it for. Exactly. Right? And how but many not you sell. Only, yeah. Yes, but not only how much you sell it for and how many you sell, but for how long you're selling it. And so this idea of effective hourly rate for digital work or teaching content is insanely important to get get clarity on. The the effective hourly rate for a project on a physical product uh, project on Amazon, let's say you order 10,000 units of something and you sell them and it took you a certain number of hours, you can calculate clearly what your uh, hourly rate was for that work. Because you, you, let's just, you know, just forecast it out, do a pro forma for that a sales event and you'd know how much. But um, but that is not possible with teaching content because, for example, let's just use my courses on Udemy. On Udemy, I have 37,000 students. I think in total, I have 45,000, you know, student entries. So some people have bought multiple courses. And uh, is that good or bad? I always think about numbers. So, okay, 37,000 people took one course, but only 45,000 in total, you know, have gone through. So, man, is that, I don't know. That's so, anyway, so in my mind, that's how I look at it. And, but, but the thing about it is I didn't do any work on Udemy in the last year. In fact, I can't remember the last time I did any work on Udemy. And yet I get a distribution from them every month. So my effective hourly rate this month is I spent no hours. And so this in, in idea of this digital content pieces being assets that you, in essence, are planting a seed that's a fruit tree that's giving you back a little, it's a, it's a little asset that is generating income for you. That is insanely important for you, you to think through. And I know a lot of people who have done a, a course once. And then if you ask them about it, they're like, well, I did a course. I only make a hundred dollars a month off of it. So, you know, it's like, but that's $1,200 a year 
free money. And, you know, so that's a first important thing to think through because even if the numbers are really small, I think this idea of reinvesting your earnings back into your education business is really, really valuable. So I just say that as sort of the first thing. And any thoughts on that before I go on to the second little tidbit here on this? Yeah, I think effective hourly rate is something that people who are in the digital good space or coaching, consulting are, if they're really well trained and they've listened to James Schramko, and in my case, very, very aware of. But I think it's something that everyone should be aware of. If you're selling and buying goods on Amazon and you're looking at the raw numbers, but you're working 80 hour weeks, Mm-hmm. There's something out of whack. You're not thinking about the value of your own time or even why you got into the water in the first place. As Dan Kennedy says, you get into the swamp, all you're aware of is staying away from the alligators, but you got in there to get to the other side, which is what? Probably mm-hmm. hopefully working 20 hours a week for much mm-hmm. more money than you were doing in your 40, 50, 60 hour a week, you know, work week in an office. So yeah. I think it's a really great metric to bear in mind. And, and I love what you're saying. I mean, you, you work once and you get paid multiple times and that stretches into a long enough horizon, then that suddenly becomes a lot of money per hour. And that's yeah. it's a really great reason for doing it. So yeah, that's really, really good stuff. I like it a lot. Okay. My next little um, nugget there in this idea is I, the, the metaphor here might be a stretch, but understand how long the fire will burn through the long, dark winter. And what I mean by that is, Understand how long your content will make you money without you doing anything further. And there are different uh, degrees of success in that regard. The, so like the, the evergreen nature of the content, I guess, is the phrase you might use. There are famous authors who have written one book and lived their best life forever based on that outcome. That's just reality for, you know, for authors. But there are also people who have done courses that have done courses, they get installed, they get popular, they're, they're there. And the income just continues to come in without them doing anything further. Now, there are other educators who do a training. And an hour later, it is of no value. And they have to go on to their next training, to their next event, to their next, you know, webinar or whatever it is. And so understanding the, the long-term nature of your content or whether it does have long-term nature is really valuable. And I think that's a really important insight and lesson. Some content and modalities are better than others in that regard, you know? I think it's really important if you've got a skill in a sort of digital marketing space, for example, to really think through, because uh, if you're doing something about Google SEO or Facebook SEO or whatever, I mean, imagine, for example, you were doing something about Facebook ads. I know a lot of people who create content about Facebook ads, as I'm sure we both do. And and, uh, I'm just thinking if they read a book in, I don't know, let's say December, or let's say they wrote it from July mm-hmm. through to September 2020, mm-hmm. and they got it published in January 2021, the iOS updates probably invalidated hmm, a fair percentage of that book. I'm sure that the evergreen principles would be true, but to the extent that it's technical and, and sort yeah. of, you know, depends on that, it's going to need to be rewritten. So it does strike me as that's yeah. a really important piece to think through in terms of the topics that you tackle. I mean, what are you, what's your approach to that personally? Writing social media books is rather unwise if you think about it, because sadly, they're still on Amazon. And to be completely candid, when people buy my book from 2011 or 12, I don't know what their experience is going to be with my book. Now, the Pinterest power book I wrote back then still has good, solid marketing tactics that still work. And I'm honored to be able to say that our Pinterest work is bigger than ever, bigger than ever. And we've just done the same core thing that I taught in that book. 
So it's not horribly out of whack, but everything related to Pinterest is all, is all, is all dated. It, you know, it just doesn't work the way it did back then. And so, yeah, that was not wise of me. And I just didn't think through that. Other authors or, you know, educators are much wiser when they talk about universal principles like leadership, you know, <laughs> or something along those lines that are much more transcendent and long-term in nature. So, I think that's uh, that's important to think through. I do think that there is some some interesting nuance here that I just, in my own reflections on these things, I'll just tell you that like one example that's blown my mind lately is I, I've always liked bonsai trees and I've killed <laughs> the ones I've ever owned. And why are you laughing? You're laughing at my... <laughs> it wasn't expecting you to go there, but this is really cool. Keep okay, going. let me just... let me show you this example. And um, yeah, okay. So, I, and if you're watching by with us live, and so, apologize for those who are not, but I'll just share my screen real quick for those who are watching live. Now, this guy who I'm sharing on the screen here, I just typed in bonsai into YouTube, and this guy's video transformation of a Japanese large bonsai. It was published a month ago. It has 1.4 million views, and this guy bonsai relief he only has two videos on youtube <laughs> but his total view count is 4.8 million and 1.4 million whatever that is together he literally has two videos and they have just dominated in terms of viewership and you know he doesn't teach a single thing in those videos like conversationally it's not like a here's how you clip up a bonsai and blah 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 it is simply him doing it and he put music underneath it and it's time lapse and it's beautifully videography kind of content put together production value and and he's got whatever that is uh well, yeah. i don't Over yeah six million, what, six six million, million or something yeah views with two videos yeah. amazing and those videos i can tell you because i i've watched both of them several times myself, <laughs> those will be making him money on YouTube yeah. for years to come. Yeah. Because I guess bonsai is an ancient art, right? It's not going to change any time. What's going to change? What's going to change? Now, you know, Super. his videography, his editing, his music underscore might become dated, but not for years. Hmm. And nice. so I just, I think we need to think about what people want to see and how they want to learn. And, you know, his video just, his videos do have, you know, on screen little, you know, phrases or words that pop up at certain times, but you know, one's 22 minutes long, one's 18 minutes long. And so I, I think we need to think about this, you know, what am I good at and how can I, you know, how can I, you know, monetize or teach others with it? We need to look at it broadly. It doesn't need to just be a boring webinar that's you know packed with info about businessy junk stuff that only you know weirdos like us like <laughs> it can be much broader than well, this you know having so. said that though one one person's uh, meat is another man, well one man's meat is another man's poison as, as the bard said so i mean obviously yeah. you know bonsai is a fascination to you I, I i've never looked into it personally myself i mean i'm kind of intrigued now because i didn't know you were into that i'm kind of intrigued because you are but yeah. but i mean obviously you know you know digital marketing for the right person is definitely intriguing but what's yeah. interesting is that evergreen to use a phrase you know evergreen literally in the case of bonsai trees bonsai, yeah. which has been around for hundreds of years i'm guessing i don't know much about that mm -hmm. but japanese culture is very ancient and um mm -hmm. the zen kind of traditions come in versus you know digital marketing on facebook which might be out of yeah. date six months later yeah or exactly pinterest right. or whatever it may be so isn't that smart it's it's it is it's isn't interesting it? yeah. yeah 
Having said that, though, the interesting thing is that you started with a very specific thing, which maybe dates quickly, but it kind of gave you your your foot in the door. So mm. let's talk about that, because, I mean, I know this your yeah. third principle here is, is, you know, kind of, I guess we're talking really in the area of reinvesting your proceeds or building yeah. on what you've done. Yeah. So tell me a bit about how you went from your, was it Instagram power and sort of leveraged that gradually into more evergreen stuff? Yeah, yeah, it's a good question. And the the first thing I started doing, my first foray into being a teacher educator was a blog called marketingonpinterest.com. Still out there, you can go look at it. It's so dated and so ugly now, but but there it was. And that turned into a book deal with McGraw-Hill. And so the third point here in my little, you know, reinvesting your proceeds is understand how to leverage a small win into a snowball. And I don't care how small the win is. I mean, if you're making $10 a month off a course that you publish or proceeds from a YouTube video or, or a Kindle book or something like that, the idea here is how do you reinvest that into your education business? And it's a very straightforward principle. I call this traffic stacking. We've talked about this before. So, and you can do this regardless of the modality and regardless of the marketplace, uh, you know, or platform you publish on. So let's just say, for example, you do uh, an ebook on Kindle and you make, let's say, $40 a month in ongoing royalty payments. You can take that $40 and set up a Google ad for the related key phrases, and you can then send traffic to your own book on Amazon. And that's called traffic stacking. And the reason you do that is because it will blow up the bestseller ranking on Amazon for your book. Or you could just spend the money on Amazon through AMS or, or Amazon advertising to blow up your uh, book. And in effectively, you're then taking that $40 and not putting it in your pocket as profit. You're doubling down on your venture. And you're saying, you know, I only make 40 bucks, but I'm just going to spend it, you know, promoting my thing I've got. Doing that initial step by itself will lead you to a snowball that will continue to compound. That's, and, and you know, you, I know that, you know, you've mentioned some of my things that I would call successes, but honestly, when I started this, man, it, when I started writing in 2011, it, it, it's not very profitable straight away. There's not a lot of money, even a book deal from Magara Hill. They gave me a, a $5,000 advance. It wasn't, it wasn't a lot of money. So in fact, I think it was $2,500 if, you know, as advance. And then on completion of the manuscript, it was 2,500 more. It's not a lot of money, even though it was in Barnes and Noble and that kind of thing. So, but the idea of reinvesting is really, really, you know, the, the trick and that traffic stacking, you learn to do that and then you're, you're in the game. And regardless of how good or bad you think you are, or, you know, your own insecurities around, you know, comparing yourself to others, just get in the game and just start to invest in your own business. And those steps will lead you to bigger and bigger outcomes. And I'm glad I continue to do that from 2011 through today. Kyle and I have educational business. It has, you know, five solid revenue streams and it's a successful business and it includes software, small group coaching, one-on-one -on -one coaching, uh, done for you services, eBooks, educational events, and on and on. And so, it, you know, the revenue streams sort of compound and grow and you learn over time. But the thesis, the core thesis is if I make, you know, 30 or 40 bucks this next month, what am I doing? And I guess I would say it this way. What is the highest and best use of those dollars to help grow 
your educational business. And so that's the way to think about this. And hopefully that's helpful. Well, it's very inspiring stuff, man. I, I just think about myself probably early in 2011, doing a lot of research about writing stuff, about stuff that I had degrees in, multiple degrees in, you know, in music, mm -hmm. and always freaking myself out by just kind of doubting myself. Whereas you, yeah. the difference yeah. is that, I guess, two things. First of all, you were maybe in a more cutting edge thing, which maybe dates quickly, which is a downside. Mm -hmm. But on the other hand, it was, it was current and therefore in demand and mm -hmm. somebody approached you. But then also, maybe it's a blend between your personality and the fact that you got somebody approached you who is a serious, legit, you know, a, a very big name business publisher, McGraw-Hill. But nevertheless, you, you actually got on with it. And I suppose there's a big lesson there that I think yeah. it, we can make our journey into any form of business creation, including but not limited to digital in the broader sense, i.e. e-commerce, digital products, as you said, artificial distinction anyway. Mm -hmm. But we can really slow it down a heck of a lot by not getting out there and, and being willing yeah. to have people yeah. say, this sucks, or I love mm -hmm. this actually more than you think I was going to. Yeah. And yeah. it's a great reminder of that because I think that that's one of the pieces of head trash that gets in our way a lot. It's yeah. not even starting because we prejudge what the market needs that's right. by what we think about ourselves. And, yeah. you know, that can vary. I'd love you just, you know, kind of open the next topic for me in this conversation, which is what are the fears and constraints? Fear, uncertainty, and doubt in people's minds. And so if you're watching with us live, love to have you just put in any fear, uncertainty, or doubt that is stopping you from taking the next step. And, you know, Michael, you just expressed, you know, one of those things. All of us as uh, content creators have, we cannot, we, we cannot do it without comparing ourselves to what else is already out there. And that unlocks a whole set of uncertainties, insecurities, fear, and comparison challenges. And we can get in our own head. And, and I guess the reason, and for those who haven't heard my original story about my blog, I got really mad, I guess, by originally by going to one of my senior leaders at the place I worked and telling her about a book idea. And she basically shot it down over a lunch, which was, she just deconstructed the idea for me. Like, here's how, here's how all of that's a bad idea. And I walked away from that lunch with just this ironclad will that no one was ever going to stop me from doing what I thought was a good educational content idea. Why would I allow a gatekeeper to stop me? And so, I, but I, that didn't mean I had any skill at doing any of the work. I just had a determination that I was not going to allow someone to tell me what could or couldn't be done in that regard. And so then I just started blogging WordPress blog, just a generic WordPress blog and marketing on Pinterest was super hot was, and, and, and I was doing it and I knew that no one else was talking about it yet. And so I just started blogging and in a va over vacation for a two week period, I wrote 24 blog posts. And were they the most amazing blog posts ever? No. But what happened was so few people were writing about marketing on Pinterest that people started, when they were Googling marketing on Pinterest, my blog was just ranking. And one of the people who Googled was an author who was under contract to write a book about Pinterest. And she reached out and said, I don't know enough about this topic. You seem to be the online expert. Well, I was an online expert because I'd written 24 articles in two weeks and no one else was talking about it. And so, um, and so that was just the door that, you know, the work that unlocked the door and the, the work was uh, short blog articles. And I would really encourage everybody who's doing this to, you know, find a way to get in the game, even if it's in a micro content way, micro publishing way, um, and to 
stop yourself from just the pent up huge course. You now I'm going to create in the future mindset, you know? <laughs> so what does yeah. that unlock for you, Michael? Other fears or concerns or issues you think, or let's, let's ask like, the audience as well. Thank you for my, my uh, fears around <laughs> this, but I, I do think I've, it's yeah. going to reflect what a lot of people that I've spoken to over the years have got the same things. I mean, first of all, your story is so inspiring. What I really like about it is it started off with a rejection. And instead of saying, I, yeah. I accept your judgment, you went the opposite. Typical entrepreneur, you went, yeah. I am now determined to make yeah. this happen. And that little spark of, I remember mm -hmm. years ago, like one of my favorite sort of musicians in the world who was teaching me, sort of said to me jokingly, oh, you're unemployable. I thought, yeah, maybe that's not so joking. I mean, I'm kind of unemployable because at some mm -hmm. point I know what I think is right. I'm just going to do it. <laughs> no, yeah. I like it. The world proved me wrong rather than the boss. And I think maybe you have to have that streak in you, but mm -hmm. I really love the fact that you, you went vigorously in the opposite direction. And then, I guess there's a degree of luck and there's a degree of maybe an instinct that you were going into an area that you were intrigued by because it was new and working for you. And yeah. therefore that, that kind of organically led to that answer to the question I posed earlier, which is how much research should we do? You were kind of drawn to the new and cutting edge anyway at that point. So mm -hmm. maybe there's something in that. We've discussed the fact that it isn't evergreen, but I guess starting is maybe the most important thing. And you can iterate from that point, right? That's yeah, absolutely right. Yeah, it, absolutely right. Starting is is crucial, and starting in a, a small and achievable way is is it'll feel like a huge milestone, even though it's just a small, you know, like it's just a WordPress.com blog. Mm. So what? It's a huge milestone, <laughs> and so take those wins, take those milestones, and and expound on them. And I think you're be off to the races. You know, the final yeah. thing that I'm going to take from that before I'd love to to get a summary of, of these steps, which is first of all, fantastic conversation, man, really great. But SEO is not dead. One of the people that I know, Ashley Pierce, he's kind of he was an Amazon seller, had a horrible 2020 because he was in the travel space and spent a lot of that time that he'd been kind of developing over a few years a team of people doing SEO work and mm -hmm. has since been doing a lot of work for the other people in, in the mastermind and, and now much more broadly a sort of agency for SEO but the thing is it's some SEO stuff he's doing is blowing up I mean mm -hmm. as you know iOS 14 affects Facebook ads and yeah. you know the ability to appear on, on Google Edge and various other devices SEO has never really gone out of fashion just like email but it's coming back in I mean he's certainly getting incredible results yeah uh, for some for some you know some clients and for himself now and yeah. I just think, you know, writing really great content for a really specific audience is never going to go wrong. And, and a blog is a wonderful place to start because there's yeah. no barrier. Is it? It's not like you have to plan a whole book out, which for me is very worrying. My yeah. version is podcasting where I'm used, I've done what, six, seven hundred episodes now. It's a comfort zone for me. But I guess yeah. for somebody else, it may well be sitting down and writing a blog article, but it's so doable and it still works. That's the magic of it, right? Well, it, and there's new twists and iterations to the tools online all the time. The sure. Substack is a new platform that allows you to write newsletters for uh, subscription. Mm -hmm. So people subscribe to get your newsletter for, you know, a couple bucks or whatever. There are people minting money on or printing money, whatever the phrase is, on uh, Substack. So it's an interesting new platform and there are there are always these new tools and that's the interesting part of it. So I would just say, you know, in summation on the fear topic before we finally uh, wrap up and 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 bring this conversation to a close, identify what's stopping you in your mind and realize that that barrier is something you have to get leverage on yourself on. And by that I mean if it's uh, if you're over analyzing it and not taking action, get an accountability partner. Actually doing stuff shoddily too quickly, get a coach. 
you know, have have somebody say, hey, that really stinks. And let me show you how to do it better. You know, and and whatever it is, I mean, whatever mental barrier is is uh, preventing you from taking your best steps forward with this stuff, figure it out and, and improve. Well, there's great comments popping in here. And I want to just make sure we cover them. So, you know, Patrick said, great info, guys. I want to tell sprinters everything I know about starting from sprint blocks. Pat, Patrick, that is fantastic, man. That's YouTube gold. Hmm. That is YouTube gold. And so there you go. But there's many other modalities that you could you could do with that. And I love that. Mark said, thanks for the valuable insights. Great points. Kimberly said, when she asked me a question, when you wrote those 24 posts for Pinterest, did you have any idea that you'd be one day doing this kind of entrepreneurial work full time? I honestly could never have imagined. All I knew was I really wanted to write. And somebody had told me I couldn't write in the way I wanted to. And I said to myself, I'm going to find a different way to do writing. And I took the first appropriate opportunity I could find and figure out. And it's led to a really fun decade. I could spend 10 years now of spending time and energy on this. And it's become not only, you know, profitable and, and uh, monetarily meaningful, but it's also really super enjoyable. And so, you know, I had and could have never imagined, I, I did not, could not have imagined that I would books in Barnes and Noble and in, you know, the bookstores around the world and translated into, you know, other languages for, you know, Brazilians and people in India and on and on and on. And it's just an incredible honor. And I, I feel blessed, but it wasn't luck. It was both luck and I just, you know, took the steps. And so it's a combo. You know. Yeah, so it's always a combo, I guess. But I, I guess it's also the thing that's coming out of this is the opposite to what I was saying to somebody yesterday who wants to start with a unique physical custom product. Please don't do this if you are new to the game. Whereas with phys- with uh, digital products, it feels like the opposite advice is appropriate, which is don't yeah. overanalyze, just start because the downside is so little. I mean, it's a mm-hmm. downside, upside risk reward analysis. It's completely different, even though they're both about creating yeah. something new that didn't exist. Yeah. There is so little risk in writing a few blog articles. I guess the worst risk is that you write them and nobody sees them, but at least you've articulated your thoughts very clearly. And I'll you've told you, your skills as a writer, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll tell you why you have to do it that way. Because what's in your mind in terms of your self-judgment of your work compared to what's reality is insanely different. Yeah. And... What happens with with educational content is the people who think they're horrible at it and it's just the worst and it stinks and it's not even worth publishing. When those usually when those people you know put it out there, it's like, oh my gosh, this is amazing, (laughs) you know. And that's that's frequently sort of a story. It's like you're so harsh on yourself and you're so unkind to your work. You're like the biggest jerk boss ever to yourself. That, but then when you put it out, other people are like, what are you talking about? This is gold. And, and, or there's the other reality, which is you think you're amazing. You think it's all just, you're just, you're just the most genius genius of all time. And you put it out there and you get one star reviews. And so you have to treat it like a catalog business. You have to publish a lot because you have to get better at reality and not just your own mind reality but but the reality of what customers think and and the only way you do that is by putting it out there and watching to see how many reviews did it get what are people saying is it actually helpful it, you know is it getting traction in the marketplace and so the 
iterative nature of that, you know, offering and then re- reviews and responses, offering and then reviews and responses, offering and then reviews and responses tunes you up. I mean, it gets you to a place where you're like, okay, I get it. I'm, I'm, <laughs> I stink at this stuff in a way, or, or I take this person's <laughs> point or, you know, the, the, the yeah. harsh, the vine voice on Amazon, those reviewers that are just like, you know, they just really give it to you. They that do. Hel- <laughs> it, help, it helps you. It, it's good for you. It's like reality check, you know? And so I think that's why you've got to approach this as an iterative way and get out there early because maybe you're amazing at it. Maybe, yeah. you know, maybe, maybe your first whack at it will be a home run, grand slam, amazing, multi-million dollar book. You don't know. You really don't know. <laughs> so, <laughs> I love your optimism, man. You're, you're definitely California born. I can, I can hear it in it. I really like it. I, I, we need that in Britain because you've got cynics like me in it, hanging around too much and being, being down on stuff. This is great. And uh, I'm, I'm personally really, you know, uh, fired up and, and motivated by this conversation. It's fantastic. I'm going on vacation next week. So and take my trusty Chromebook with me and whack out some content just there to kind go. of get, get into the practice of it. I yep. think, you know, listen, my background as a, as a pianist and, and before that conductor and a horn player and everything else tells me that, you know, practice is really essential it's amazing mm-hmm. how bad you were going to be at the piano first time or guitar yeah. or anything you like in my experience of teaching people sometimes for a long time but it's amazing how good you can get if you chip yeah. away at it every day for a long time it, it yeah. really the, the compounding nature of skill is one of those things where you cannot see day to day how good you're getting but if you look back after five years you go wow yeah. that is so different and i guess what you're saying is to hone these skills over time and to be brave about it, which is yeah. just great advice, man. Can you summarize these wonderful steps that you put together? I mean, we, this has been a far-reaching conversation. It's, it's fantastic. Let's just bring it back home. Three simple steps. Number one, identify your unique ability and outline your knowledge. Number two, identify the best platform and modality and learn it. Number three, reinvest your proceeds into your educational business. There you go. Sounds so simple. It sounds so simple. It does. (laughs) (laughs) It's a big game, man. I'll tell you one thing. After doing it for a decade, I still have huge goals for myself that I've never achieved, you know? And and all of us will. And that's the fun of it is it is a big old game. Yeah. And shoot shoot for the stars and accept the moon or something like that, mm -hmm, right? It's always good to be ambitious. I think that, you know, also if you're ambitious, there's an energy that comes from that that other people pick up on. I think it's great to have... uh, ridiculously high goals for yourself somehow i, I think yeah. that's exciting so i'm with you on that so yeah. if people want to work with you obviously you've you've worked with someone to, in a more sort of concrete terms work with some very successful i was going to say physical product-based business owners but actually that's an artificial constraint and you've helped them to add digital products which has really yeah. helped them so if people want to get um, help with that then uh, how do they work with you and kyle on that stuff you know i feel embarrassed to say but i don't really have any coaching or consulting or groups even for people who are interested in educational content. I just, it hasn't, I've never, I've never taught the topic, which I'm embarrassed to say, but I do have one-on-one coaching and small groups related to e-commerce. Generally, you can find those at winning on shopify.com. And maybe I need to do a a course or training or, you know, turn this little outline into a, a book or something like that on how to make educational content. I do love it. It's, it's just so fun. So. I would yeah. say more than maybe from what we've discussed today. <laughs> I'm knowing you really well. Yeah. You'd, the thing is, a lot of people running this stuff, but you've actually been doing it for years very, very successfully. So I would 100% endorse that. If you write that book, I'll be first in line. And I Thank think you. a lot of people listening will be as well. So uh, final 
thing to say guys is if you're enjoying the show obviously we always want you to subscribe because then you get more great content delivered to your podcast player of choice but we're going to reward you for it until the end of july and and jason stop me if i'm saying something wrong we've got a uh, an, a subscription contest so you just go to www.contest.theecommerceleader.com there's no s in contest so www.contest.theecommerceleader.com mm-hmm. and you can win a, a Visa gift card of $250 value and if you're in Britain we'll figure it out I mean read the small print I'm not an expert in competition yeah. law in we're the UK <laughs> or anywhere else you're listening or Australia or wherever else you may be but if if we can we'll certainly make sure that we, we get the money to you and, and either which way we'd love you to subscribe and, and uh, be passionate about the content yeah. Well, thank you so much, man. This has been a great conversation and it's been encouraging to me to hear people's feedback. And thank you for all the comments as well in the chats. Really appreciate everybody's perspective on this. So good time. Excellent. Yeah, great stuff. So very inspiring. And guys, if you, if you like me, are inspired, go and get writing or, or whatever form of creation, go and get videoing. And let's prove Jason right with his thesis. There you go. All right, buddy. See you. That was the e-commerce leader podcast with Michael Vesey in London, England and Jason Miles in Seattle, Washington. If you liked this content, don't forget to subscribe to the show on your podcast app. For free resources, including PDFs and videos on topics like traffic, products and sales channels, just go to www.theecommerceleader.com. No hyphens, just as it sounds. Thanks so much for listening.